0: So he hit tank number 48 tonight. And then did you see he immediately went down the stairs and and slipped and got got hurt and is out for the game. Hopefully he can at least make it back. I don't know how serious that knee injury is, but if he can at least come back and try and hit number 49 and and get first place, that dude is unreal.
1: Yeah, he's very good. He's very good. And if you're listening to this podcast and you think that Yasmani Grandal or some of these other jabronis literally – any other catcher is better than Salvador Perez. You're wrong. Welcome in to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom, where normally we talk about a good football team, but this week, last week, maybe next week, hopefully not, we talk about a football team that's not good, and that football team, unfortunately, is the Kansas City Chiefs. It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom, but the Chiefs are not a good football team right now, and here to help me talk about how not good they are is my friend, Taylor. Taylor, what's going on?
0: Hi Austin. Oh, you know, i uh, I'm trying to process, trying to go through what it's like to be on a losing streak with Patrick Mahomes. That doesn't feel fluky. I mean, it is fluky, but it's just, it's hard. Every, all the doubts are creeping in. We'll get through it.
1: You can find us on Twitter as always, uh, me at real bird lawyer and Taylor at Taylor underscore wit. We're brought to you by sports Illustrated's arrowhead report, which you can find at si.com slash NFL slash chiefs and on Twitter at arrowhead report, you can get your official merchandise at dabodt.dabodt.com or on Twitter at dabodt, etc. So on and so forth. We've got a we've got a fine show for you guys today. Listen, it's uh it's no fun to lose. It's it's not it's 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 uncool. It's not it's not good. Chiefs are going to get back on their winning ways this week, hopefully against the Philadelphia Eagles. But before we get into that, we have to talk about the news, which we do every week. We have to recap. The Chiefs' second loss in a row, which will be gross. And then we're going to talk about how we're going to beat the fuck out of the <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. So, Taylor. Yes. Shall we? News, 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 so, Taylor, uh, this is actually the most exciting thing we're talk- going to talk about in the entire podcast. We're going to talk about a signing that the Chiefs made. And Boy, if you spend any time on fantasy football Reddit over the past yeah. eight years, you know the man that I'm talking about. It's Josh, Flash Gordon.
0: He, uh, he's legendary. And so, for anyone out there that might have heard the name but not know his exploits, or at least not well enough, he was a. Don't blame
1: you because it's been a while since it's he's been had been any. Exploits. Long
0: time. He basically was really good in 2013. He had
1: literally one of the greatest white wide receiver seasons ever. Of all Correct.
0: Teams. And then he started getting in some trouble with the law, with some, maybe not even the law. I don't even know if he's been like legally arrested, but the NFL for sure found out that he's been smoking weed. They started suspending him. He started just going, going down a dark path and he's only played. So he spent 54% of his NFL career suspended, oh, which is,
1: uh, that's wild. Know, it's not that's ideal, wild.
0: but he's freaking huge. And you know, he's 30, but he has like nowhere on the tires at all. I mean, he literally like hasn't been playing. So I, I think it's fun. And we were when we were talking about wide receiver additions in the offseason, and we were thinking about Juju and we were thinking about Julio, obviously, and we were, you know, we were really daydreaming there. Um, at the end of the day, we just wanted another weapon. We wanted someone better than McCole Hardman as the wide receiver too. And Josh Gordon's ceiling is absolutely better than McColl Hardman right now. Oh, sure. But his floor is incredibly low, but the cost is nothing basically. So like I I like the move. I like the fact that Veach is out there still trying to get better and, and looking at guys like this. Um, I'm I'm pretty cautiously optimistic about this.
1: I want to dive into the Josh Gordon thing a little bit because again, this is like the only fun thing we have to yeah, talk about. Yeah, people are gonna turn this episode. podcast. People are gonna turn it today. off after we talk <laughs> about Josh Gordon. Yeah. In 2013, Josh Gordon in 14 games had 1,646 receiving yards and nine touchdowns, okay? That is 117.6 receiving yards per game, okay? That is the sixth most receiving yards per game in a single season ever, ever. in the history of the NFL, okay? The top five guys are Wes Chandler for the 1972 San Diego. Oh, yeah. yeah, San Diego Chargers. Super Chargers. Uh, Charlie Hennigan for the 1961- Houston Oilers, Elroy Hirsch, who I think, were you just talking about Elroy? No, you were <laughs> talking about some other jabroni no. from, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Elroy Crazy Legs Hirsch for the 1948, <laughs> that, was, that was his name, the Elroy Crazy Legs Hirsch. For the 1951 Rams, Calvin Johnson, of course, for the 2012 Detroit Lions, and Jim Benton for the 1945 Rams. Those are the guys ahead of him. Literally one guy that, that anybody has ever heard of, Calvin yeah, Johnson, right. in 2012, the year before Josh Gordon did it. Josh Gordon did that as a 22-year-old, okay, in his second NFL season, which is bonkers. All the guys ahead of him are 26 years of age or older. Julio Jones is seventh on this list, by the way, with 116.9, almost a full yard per game after him. Julio was 26 when he did that. Jerry Rice, the great Jerry Rice, is eighth on this list, okay?
0: Well, now – the 2013 Cleveland Browns yes. had three quarterbacks. I'm sure you're gonna get into that, but
1: that is exactly what I'm gonna get into. Good deal. do you wanna do you wanna talk about who those quarterbacks were? Because I'm exactly wanna talk who about those who
0: quarterbacks were. were because I've been grinding Josh Gordon tape all day. Oh so, my god. Tell me about it. So obviously, Jason Campbell, the 32-year-old um guy, he was uh <laughs> he you know, I was trying to he so was I, a,
1: Former Washington, Raider or, or future raider, raider at that Chicago. point. He was a former he was a former Raider at that point. Was and a former, former Raider at that point. Football and a teamer and a football
0: teamer. Right. So he sucked. He started uh eight games and was one in seven and <laughs> had eleven touchdowns and eight interceptions. He was not very good. Passer rating Brandon's of seventy six point seven. nine. That's right. Not great. Brandon Whedon was um, uh well. one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen play.
1: Brandon oh, Whedon yeah. was 30, by the way. You know yeah. Brandon Whedon. You know, you know this. But I for do. those of you who don't know Brandon Whedon, Brandon Whedon was drafted huh. in his late twenties. He was twenty-nine. He was twenty-nine when he played his rookie season. The the Browns went out and spent a first round pick on a guy who's 29 years old, <laughs> who had never played in the NFL before.
0: And obviously that didn't work out very well he got hurt he was it didn't work five. out at all he had through nine touchdowns nine picks had a 70.3 rating and finally they of course used brian hoyer the destroyer who actually was three and zero that year. He, he had three of their four wins they were four and 12. i mean and he had five touchdowns three picks had an 82.6 rating was clearly their best i believe he started the year as the starter and then got hurt early but so they were awful, but Josh Gordon was not. He was an absolute force. He just wrecked the entire NFL that whole year and really has been a complete um, a meme ever since, basically.
1: Yeah, listen. So Josh Gordon, 1,646 yards in 2013. His next best season came five years later in 2018, which was three years ago was 737 yards. So less than half of his best season in 2013. And that was split between the Browns and the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you want to dream a little bit, you mentioned that you were crushing Josh Gordon tape. And I don't know if you're being facetious or not, but I'm just going to assume that you were being serious. Yeah, I was. He he was with the Browns, he finally gets unsuspended. He he came back towards the end of 2017. He he comes into 2018. He's not suspended. You know, he came out with the Browns. He played one game with the Browns. He was hurt to start the year. Uh He had one catch for 17 yards. And then there was a rumor that he showed up to practice high or something like that. Right. Like there was a rumor that not only did he have like a lingering injury, but also he was he was blitz when he came to practice. And so the Browns promptly dump him to the Patriots because, of course, the Patriots, that 2018 Patriots team, by the way, had. Antonio Brown on it, or no, that was 2019 no. Patriots. Yeah, That was a year later, but they did yeah. play on the same team because he also played for the 2019 Patriots.
0: Well, and Julian Edelman was on that team and he was a cheater. I mean, they don't sure, they a PED, care about any of that. A
1: stuff. PED user, yes, of course. Yeah. You know, you've got Tom Brady, who knows what he's up <laughs> to, you know, yeah. all, that, all that different stuff. Of course, the Patriots took a chance on him. And, you know, at this point he had played, he didn't play at all in 2015. He didn't play at all in 2016. He played five games in 2017 and he played one game in 2018 with the Browns before he came to the Patriots. Mm-hmm. And at this point, you know, his 2013 season was five years in the rearview mirror and he comes to New England and he promptly in 11 games before he gets suspended again, put up 720 receiving yards and three touchdowns. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's 65 and a half yards per game. I mean, we're talking about a guy who has played very little football in his NFL career. We're talking about 56 career starts, you know? Yeah. And, he he was pretty good. He, he had to good. hit the
0: ground running. I mean, he had to he had no camp with New England, just like he will have no camp with the Chiefs. Right. So he had to learn all the playbook stuff on the fly. He was playing with an all-right quarterback. I mean, not not anyone too special, but Sure, not Patrick Mahomes. Certainly not Patrick Mahomes. Um and he managed to, you know, make his mark. He did have one game where he had 130 yards and a touchdown against the Packers. I mean, he he was not 1600 yards good but he was a serviceable wide receiver certainly
1: and he's not going to be 1600 yards good right no. like we we have a mailbag I mean, question maybe. actually from <laughs> we have a mailbag question actually from our guy BM Bear who uh has not been on twitter lately but is on our discord server and asks mm-hmm. what is the ceiling and floor for Josh Gordon on the chiefs so we might as well just talk about that right now yeah i i think obviously the 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 realistic ceiling is not 1,600 yards, because number one, he's missed three games. Number two, he doesn't know the playbook. Who knows when he's even going to be elevated from the practice squad. And number three, he's not on the 2013 Browns, where he was the only good player on the 2013 (laughs) Browns. Okay. The Chiefs still have Travis Kelsey. They still have Tyree Kill. And they still have some other guys. So, you know, realistically, I think his ability to fit in as I, I mean, I don't think there's any question that if he plays up to his ability, even at 30 years old, even recognizing that he doesn't have training camp, even recognizing that he hasn't played football in a while, he clearly has the ability to be the third option on the Chiefs if he plays up to his ability. Right. And so the question is, what does that look like? What does that ceiling look like? And I mean, listen, you know, I've heard people compare him to uh, our guy, Lance Beardwell, you know, compared his overall numbers to DeMarcus Robinson. And that's fair. Like if you look at, just what they've done, like the raw totals for what they've done over the last four or five years or whatever. Demarcus Robinson has way more production. But if you look on like a per game and a per target basis, there's obviously no question that Josh Gordon is a much better player than Demarcus Robinson or McColl Hardman, even potentially yeah. at this stage of their career. At his peak, certainly. A- anybody. And so, you know, like I think you – the best case scenario – you see Josh Gordon step in, and probably not right away, but by the end of the year, fill in for what the Chiefs had with Sammy Watkins, which is a guy who, you know, if he were to be the number one, uh, Sammy Watkins obviously had that one glorious performance against Jacksonville as right. the number one when Tyreek Hill got hurt early in the game, and he went for whatever it was, uh, 200 yards and three touchdowns. Can't
0: believe that was even real.
1: I can't believe it either, but that happened. You know, Josh Gordon. He just needs to be a guy that if Tyree kill is double covered and if Travis Kelsey is getting chipped and probably also double covered he just has to be a guy that can win one-on-one and catch the ball sure. that's
0: a low bar and he can do that so here's here's what I'll say here his ridiculous season in 2013 he had 159 targets in 14 games now, there are 14 games remaining in the Chiefs' schedule. so, oh. so even though he only, oh. even though he's missed a couple games, he only played oh. 14 back then. So oh. he had 159 targets last year on the 2020 Chiefs. Travis Kelsey led the way with 145, so he had more than what Kelsey had last year. Tyreek Hill had 135, only 10 behind him, but there were still 400 targets to spread around between all the other pass catchers on the Chiefs. Other than Kelsey and Hill.
1: It's unbelievable that we targeted people not named Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill. Ever. 400 times. 400 year. times. That's that right. Because there were 611
0: impossible. pass attempts and they only accounted for 280 of them. So. That's crazy. Oh, 380, 485. So 320. I said 400. It's fine. But, you're,
1: you're, you're yeah. some fuzzy math on this. Sure, show. sure, that's sure. Right. So right.
0: of those 320, actually 160 of them is exactly half of that. And that's what Josh Gordon, at his absolute peak, that's what he required to do work. So, look, I'm not saying that the Chiefs are going to target Josh Gordon 160 times. They only targeted Kelsey 145 times last time. But what I will say is that the volume, if he is extremely good, will be there. They will absolutely be able to, if Josh Gordon is open, they can get him the ball, and Kelsey can still eat, and Hill can still eat. And hell, they might even eat a little bit more if if Josh Gordon's very good. Now, this is all kind of the always sunny approach to this. Like, Josh Gordon still needs to keep his ass legal and on the field and not right. screw up any of the stuff that he's screwed up plenty of times in the past. But I, uh, you know, he's 30. A lot of people don't grow up until around 30, you know, he sure. made a lot of mistakes when he was in his twenties. Like a lot of people do do. And if he realizes like, shit, I can actually like win a super bowl here and like have, you know, a future and a career here. I mean, who knows? That could be the wake up call he needs. I would say his theoretical ceiling, is like 1,200 yards. Like, I really think that he could go ballistic at his peak because that also includes the Chiefs' offense. That's not just Josh Gordon getting 1,200 yards. That means that the Chiefs are just shredding people left and right because they have Kelsey, Hill, and Gordon, and nobody could stop any of them. So I really do think that um, it's fun to dream right now. You know, it might even take him a couple weeks to get up to speed and even become active, but, um, you know, why not? we're one and two we might as well think about stuff like this
1: sure right well, that's why we're spending so much time talking about a guy that <laughs> played football in like a million yeah, eight years, years basically it's, yeah exactly that's why we're talking about it i mean for me i think really his realistic ceiling is he probably averages about 50 yards a game uh that's sure. kind of what sammy watkins was doing when he was healthy uh a guy that you know and uh, for sammy of course it would never be 50 yards every week it would be no one week he's blowing up for 130 yards and then the next week he literally has one catch for eight yards right and then the week after that he's hurt (sighs) i will also
0: say that josh gordon is listed two inches taller and 20 pounds heavier than sammy Watkins. he is as as big as sammy felt compared to tyreek josh gordon's a bigger dude than sammy Watkins is so um that x receiver that everyone's been pining for that the chiefs don't really have a big body that can go up other than dory's fountain they might have just found
1: Yeah, we talked about that. We talked about that before. Um, Josh Gordon, way, way, way back when at his pro day, ran a 4.5740, which isn't remarkable. It's a 40th percentile for his weight. But he did have a speed score, which takes into account burst and that kind of stuff of 85th percentile, speed score of 106, which is pretty good. And obviously he's, I mean, he's 6'3", 225, right? Like mm-hmm. the guy above him, and I'm not going to compare him to Megatron, but the guy above him on the, you know, yards per game, single season record. I don't know. I mean, Babytron, you know, that's Kenny Galladay, except I feel like we can take it away from Kenny Galladay because (laughs) that guy has not done anything.
0: Well, and also he's not even a lion. The only reason that worked was because he was a lion. That's true. Now he's a
1: giant, no way. So let's close the book on Josh Gordon and let's get into, I, I, I don't know. This is kind of a, what is happening. What's happening is that the Chiefs are bad. (laughs) <laughs> and they're one and two, and this is the first time that the Chiefs have sucked really since their one and five start in 2015. They've lost three out of four, including the Super Bowl. This is only the third time in the Patrick Mahomes era that they've lost a back-to-back games, which is crazy. Yeah, and this is the first time on the history of this podcast that we are recapping live back-to-back losses. What's worse, Taylor, dad insult to injury here. They're last in the division, and they're two games back after three weeks behind the Raiders and the Broncos, who are both three and zero.
0: Well, you know the solace here is that the schedule comparison is night and day between what the Chiefs have faced with the first place schedule. That yeah, but it's going to be the
1: whole year because we have a first place schedule, and those idiots are playing a last place schedule. I mean, well, you really
0: only play three, four first place teams. You play the three. AFC first place teams and the NFC first place team from the, you know, the Packers would be our sure. first right. place game. But um, of those, you know, the Ravens were playing, we played the Ravens because, oh no, because we're playing the North, not because they were first. Um, and the Chargers, you know, the Chargers came into Arrowhead and did what they had to do. That, that game is now, you know, the Chiefs are going to have to get one back in SoFi just to, just to even fine. that series, which is they will. But it can yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's I, I wheels aren't falling off the wagon yet only three weeks in, but it's certainly the weirdest position we've been in since you and I started the podcast for sure.
1: Before we get into the game recap, I, we got to take a little spin around the AFC landscape here. So obviously we made much of the fact after week one that a lot of the other AFC contenders lost Buffalo yeah. lost in week one. Cleveland obviously lost to the Chiefs in week one. Baltimore lost in week one. Tennessee lost in week one. Those are the teams that we kind of had pegged as kind of some of the other top AFC contenders uh, in Indianapolis, if you want to throw them in the mix, although we knew that they were going to struggle with injuries. But all those teams have since won both of their games, and so they are now all two and one. And I guess the silver lining there is they still all have the loss. So the chiefs are only one game behind the bills and they play the bills in week five. So right. if the chiefs win this week, and then they go and beat the bills, then they're going to be ahead be of the bill in yeah. two weeks. Right. And, you know, I mean, for as bad as the first three games have gone for the chiefs and they have that same opportunity, obviously they already own the tiebreaker over Cleveland. And they don't own the tiebreaker against Baltimore, which is kind of a bummer, but you know, uh, and I don't think we play. Do we play Tennessee this year? I guess we, we do because do. they won the we South do. last year. That's right. So the Chiefs still have the opportunity to make the game back up on all these teams except for Baltimore, which they've already played and lost to. So at least there's that. And obviously, the Chiefs still have two games against the Broncos and two games against the Raiders. They obviously still have to make a game up against the Chargers, but they're only a game back of the Chargers. So all these teams are still catchable at this point in the season. The Chiefs need to figure their shit out. So, final bit of news. We're going to talk about the injury situation. Frank the Shark Clark was on the shelf on Sunday with a hamstring injury. A different hamstring than <laughs> the one that he injured in training camp. He came back for week two, uh, although you wouldn't necessarily know it <laughs> from watching that game in week two, considering that the Chiefs got almost no pressure against the Baltimore offensive line that was completely decimated. He was out on Sunday because he injured his other hamstring. And Traverius Ward, who picked up a quad injury uh, between week two and week three, missed the Chargers game. Rashad Fenton was knocked out of that game with a concussion. So the Chiefs did get into the defensive back well. DeAndre Baker got some playing time for once. Juan Thornhill got a couple of snaps on boundary cornerback in the first half. And then he got relegated back to the bench. All three of those guys, as of midweek, have a questionable tag. Willie Gay, Chiefs linebacker. Everybody's clamoring. Everybody thinks Willie Gay is going to solve the Chiefs defensive woes. Maybe he will. Maybe. He's eligible to come off of injured reserve this week. He's been out the first three games of the season. Andy Reid says they're going to have to see how his toe responds this week in practice before making that decision. And I guess finally, this isn't really an injury, but boy, uh, I guess we probably better mention that Andy went to the hospital on Sunday.
0: Yeah, yeah. Poor Big Red. He he was dehydrated and I know that with Arrowhead being so packed, putting him in an ambulance to get him to the hospital was mostly a traffic issue, or at least, I mean, I know they were concerned about him, but I think that had something to do with it logistically sure. too, but um, he checked out, he's back to work, he didn't even miss a full you know, week of work, so I'm sure he was just, it was hot out there, and and I'm sure he was sick to his stomach of watching his team. So, you know, good good luck to Big Red. Hope he gets better soon.
1: Yeah, a lot of jokes after the game about, you know, Andy Reed being too ill to address the media and and a lot of a lot of jokesters out there making the same joke about how ill they were watching the Chiefs on Sunday. Look, it's fine. It was a good joke. I feel it. Uh it was ill. It was gross.
0: Well, now a word from our sponsor. What? Week three of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of a, of $1 on any week game to receive $150 in free bets instantly. And if Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes for grabs all season long with daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or Indiana. 1-800-9-WITH-IT.
1: Wow. I was not expecting that ad read in the middle of our show, but that (laughs) is fantastic news. Yes. We love DraftKings. We're very excited to have them as a sponsor through our host, one of our hosts, the Pigskin Podcast Network. And that's going to be amazing. I don't know if any of you live in those three states that were listed in the disclaimer, but you can play DraftKings everywhere. I mean, everywhere that you got an app.
0: That's right. And we are going to have a Always Sunny and Chiefs Kingdom listener DraftKings League. We teased it a couple times. I talked about it last week. We now have a, um, a test run this week to make sure that all the mechanics make sense and that I know how to actually commissioner um, a league on DraftKings because I hadn't done that before. But... Um, I'm going to tweet the link to that league out this week. It's free entry. It's for everybody just to kind of get all of our our juices flowing and make sure everybody gets the Mm -hmm. game and the mechanics Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So look for that tweet and um, join us over on DraftKings.
1: It's going to be amazing. Stay tuned for that ad read in the middle of every podcast because we are contractually obligated to read it in the middle of the podcast. So for those of you who have listened to this podcast without a mid-podcast ad read for the first you know, year and a half of our existence, buckle up because uh, that's part of the podcast now. We're getting paid for it. It's dope. Check out DraftKings, et cetera. Daddy
0: needs a new pair of shoes. So, Austin, let's do the, the recap of the horrible Chargers game.
1: Uh, do we have to? We do.
0: It was gross. It was terrible. The Chiefs began the game with three straight turnovers for the first time since 2000. This 2000? Is team, 2000. And the Chiefs actually won that game in 2000 against what? the Carolina Panthers, 15 to 14, despite starting the game with three turnovers. So, uh, you know, this is a team that hasn't been turning the ball over historically, certainly under Andy Reid, certainly with Patrick Mahomes. This is not something that you would expect the Chiefs to do to shoot themselves in the foot. Um, but after the gross end to the Ravens game, they continued that with three turnovers and that made four straight drives ending in a turnover when you include the Clyde fumble to end uh. the Ravens game. So they started with the tipped Nola pass that Patrick hit Marcus Kemp a little behind him, but it was certainly a catchable ball. Everybody's kind of Zapruder taped the, the pass to see how catchable it was. It was, it was catchable, but um, Asante Samuel Jr. made an amazing, amazing oh, Yeah, play. he's very
1: good. I can't believe they got him in the second round. They've really... Uh,
0: they've drafted well. They've done some... Yeah. They've hired well. They've been they've yep. been doing things correct over in uh, San, Diego. <laughs> sure have. Sure have. Uh, San Diego. I sure have. I sure have. Did you say San Diego? I did. I, I kind of jabbed yeah. him because that's the one thing they haven't done correct was they couldn't stick in their hometown. But so then the Chiefs forced a punt, which was a heroic achievement given everything that had gone down and yeah then, the chargers
1: punted on their first two possessions they,
0: they did and clyde followed up that interception on their first one and his fumble in the previous game with his second career fumble in three drives so he hadn't fumbled at all and now he's got the got the dropsies so uh two that fumbles was in three drives i mean really not good and then the chiefs forced a punt after the fumble again so you're thinking all right shit. it's a zero zero game Chiefs have turned it over twice. This has got to be the worst this thing can get, right? That's got to be, it can't go anywhere. Yeah, lower.
1: that is exactly what I thought.
0: <laughs> yeah, me too. So uh, the Chiefs are driving. They're driving. They hit Tyreek Hill and on a bang, bang play that I've seen this play call it, be called an incomplete pass before. I oh, mean, it was absolutely, sure. and it got punched out. And uh, that was another turnover. So that was the third one. So we that have to was talk
1: about brutal. We have to talk about the football move here because yeah to me to me if i were a referee in the nfl i would have called this a fumble but i also would call this play a fumble every single time it happens and yeah. to me if a guy literally takes like a step or if he tries to run with the ball or whatever like i have a pretty liberal dep- definition of what a football move is right sure. like same i have seen plays where the guy catches the ball And he takes like four or five steps. It's like a travel in the NBA, right? Mm -hmm. Like he takes several steps and the ball gets punched out and it gets called an incomplete pass. Like, I don't understand. This is one of the obviously officiating in the NFL is a shit show. We'll talk about that when we get to the end of the game. It's not consistent. But, boy, I I don't know. It, It feels like I don't want to be the guy that blames the refs. I know. And we tried really hard not to do that when we recapped the Super Bowl because while the refereeing in that game was very bad Awful. and very biased against the Chiefs, the Chiefs had a lot of other things going against them in that game. But it kind of feels like the first three games of the year that in addition to the Chiefs turning the ball over at a very unprecedented and very unlike them rate, and in addition to the fact that the defense can't get a single stop in the red zone, unless you count the one where they, they got a field goal stop, uh, which technically, you know, I mean, they didn't allow a touchdown that happened later in this game. We'll celebrate that a little bit later on. In addition to all of that, the officiating has been garbage against the chiefs. It's been bad. I mean, they've been on the wrong end of a lot of calls that are 50, 50, if not, you know, 60, It usually gets called the other way. I mean, it's, it's, it's strange and it's frustrating because, Tom Brady doesn't get that treatment. Oh, he and doesn't. He gets the opposite treatment. This is Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's the, if you listen to, um, you know, social media or opposing teams fans, you know, like he's the golden child of the NFL. And I have, feels like we should be getting more calls if that were the case. Uh, yeah. It feels like, feels like the ref should be biased in our favor. And that's not really happening.
0: It's not, and it's extremely frustrating when things aren't going well and you add that on top of it. It's one thing if you're killing it and the refs are kind of trying to hold you back so that the rest of the NFL doesn't just completely give up all hope. But, like, this is like kicking the Chiefs while they're down. It is yeah. it is pretty brutal. So the fumbles two in a row after the interception, Mark three, and the Chargers, after having screwed up their first two drives, start to put things together. They start to put a touchdown drive on the board, um, a 50 yard drive after the second turnover and a 50 yard drive after the third turnover. And it is now after a Austin Eckler, little, uh, dump off pass where no one was around him at all. He punches into the end zone. It's 14, nothing chargers. They had shanked an extra point on the first touchdown and then went for two here and got it. So two, two, uh, Mike Williams, who was an absolute monster in this game, especially after Fenton went down and the chiefs were on um, Hughes and, and Baker in the, on the cornerbacks. They just, neither of them could really hang with Mike Williams, which no one expected them to going into the year, but.
1: Well, I mean, you know, Mike Williams is like the best wide receiver in the NFL and he's now like Randy Moss basically. And you know, he's 27 years old. He shouldn't be. He shouldn't be doing that i i mean he's always obviously been a force against the chiefs but man I, I i don't know where that came from but obviously we uh we previewed the game last week and you know painful memories of him catching a two-point conversion to stun the chiefs 29 to 28 a couple years ago in 2018 we were there and yeah and he did it
0: again so then the chiefs get the ball back they obviously we're reeling on offense and they start their drive off with a little five-yard handoff to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And the second one is a screen to Clyde that gets absolutely blown up. However that was blocked, it did not work out well. Third and six and Joey Bosa becomes just this absolute unstoppable monster, gets around the edge, sacks Patrick Mahomes on third and six. So at least the Chiefs didn't turn the ball over. But hell, I mean, it's a three-hour. Four hour straight
1: died, drives without points is like, I mean, uh, it's unthinkable. And I mean, it's, it's literally like the worst feeling in the world.
0: Yeah, and then the three straight drives to end the Ravens game with no points. So this was seven drives in a row where the Chiefs didn't put up. They had one punt or two punts and five turnovers in seven drives.
1: I mean, uh, it's. I mean, I get turnovers. that we're. I get that we're spoiled as Chiefs fans, and we have been ever since Patrick Mahomes became the starting quarterback in 2018. But, like, man, I mean, I have high standards now. Well, you
0: should. They were putting up the most points per drive in the NFL after two weeks. They were The offense was still good.
1: And the offense was still good in this game. I mean, they were moving the ball. They moved the ball against the Ravens. They were moving the ball against the Chargers until, obviously, that three and out. But, man, I mean, two of those turnovers were in Chargers territory. That's right. That's right. So three of them, I, I think all three of them were
0: um, correct. They were driving. I mean, the chiefs looked, they, they were moving the ball every time and the chiefs did force a punt um, on the next charger drive after the chargers went for it on fourth and four from midfield. And we're going to talk about going forward on fourth down here in a little bit, because it's, A big key to what's happening to the Chiefs so far this year, and the Chargers had a pre-snap penalty on this, which is another um, precursor of what comes later on the fourth and four. That was complete. Backs them up to fourth and nine. They punt here, and the Chiefs get the ball back with two minutes to go. They they needed something here. They do get down to the Chargers' 16-yard line. They kick a field goal um, with 19 seconds left, and they do cut the lead to 14-3. They get the ball back to start the second half. I I was kind of feeling. at least to see a number up on the board that wasn't zero, I was just kind of like, all right, Chiefs, put it together, put a drive. You know, I wasn't like losing it, but I was very disappointed in how the first half. Happened.
1: Well, I mean, listen, when you're when you're losing the turnover battle three to nothing and you're only down 11 points, like that's a blessing, right? Yeah, like, It, yes, was, yes, a, yes. it was a good position to be in considering how poorly they played in the first half and, you know, I mean, when they got the ball back down 14 to nothing with a couple minutes left in the first half, I was thinking, all right, well, well here we go. We're going to go score a touchdown like we right. do, and we're going right. to come out, and we're going to score touchdowns. touchdown. It's going to be a tie game. Yeah. And it's a new game in the second half, despite the fact that you played like shit in the first half. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe this was sort of a harbinger of things to come when they, they go down and they stall in the red zone and they can't they can't put a touchdown on the board. I don't know if that was an ill omen. I mean – Obviously it's not. We're going to talk about this with one of our mailbag questions. Omens, ill omens are not a real thing, whatever. But the chiefs came out of halftime and they, they went on a long touchdown drive through a touchdown pass to Jody Fortson of all people, the TE four on the team, which was awesome. And then they were down. I mean, they were down four, Mm -hmm. but they didn't tie the game there. They, you know, they had kicked the field goal before halftime and it was still a chargers lead.
0: It was. and, you know, to the momentum though, with the four point deficit clearly felt like it was with the home team clearly felt like, all right, the chiefs got their first touchdown of the day. It was a 12 place, 75 yard drive. They looked good. They converted some third downs. They were, you know, they were moving and the chargers tried to help out. They immediately went three and out. They had a sack on Justin Herbert, which the chiefs one of the many, many things that have gone wrong is they haven't had a pass rush this year. And Mike Dana did get to Justin Herbert on second down, and they did eventually force a punt. So now the Chiefs had the ball back, down four, despite three instant turnovers to start the game. And you kind of felt like, all right, this is just where the Chiefs be the Chiefs, and they just go ahead and go down here and win this game. And for the majority of the third quarter, that's how this felt like it was going to go.
1: Yeah. The Chiefs came back with another long touchdown drive, 10 plays, 70 yards. Clyde edwards Hilaire catches, scores, gives the Chiefs the 17 to 14 lead. The Chiefs come back and they exchange two more touchdown drives. The Chargers come back with an 11-play, 75-yard drive. The Chiefs then come back with a 12-play, 72-yard drive. And the Chiefs are back up ahead. And, you know, at this point, like, I don't know. It didn't feel like the game was over. It certainly did not have the same feel that the Ravens game did late in the game, which obviously the chiefs did not win, but the chiefs had a late, they had an 11 point lead late in the Ravens game. And that game felt like it was over. This game didn't feel over, but it certainly felt like the chiefs had momentum such as it is in their favor.
0: Yeah, they were, they were, playing with the chargers it didn't feel like a game that i i thought the chiefs were pissing away or anything like that despite the early pissing away of the game i felt like okay this is this is a slug slug down to the end so what really got things um going poorly this last charger drive to go back um to go back up, they converted a fourth and four on this drive. So they were definitely showing that, like, look, we're not afraid to go for it on fourth down. We are, they were facing fourth and four from the 28, and they decided to go ahead and go for it. They scored. So then, after the Chiefs um, get a little pass to McCole Hardman, a little pop pass from the eight yard line that he takes in, has a really nice, um, really nice kind of staying behind his blockers. McCole had a pretty good game this game. He definitely has had. <laughs> Worse ones, especially the first two of the year. So then, the Chargers come back and they they get down all the way to first and goal at the one. All right, with three nineteen left, they've got. Um, there was a horrible pass interference, and by horrible, I don't mean the call. I mean Legereus well, Need just basically tackled Keenan Allen despite the ball being completely uncatchable. And when you do that in the end zone. They're going to call you for it. So with 3.23 left and the Chargers down three, they've got first and goal at the one. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, all right, three minutes left. Chiefs are up three. Just freaking, they're on the one-yard line. Just let them run in, right? Just give, right. give Pat the ball back down four. That's fine. I'm I'm feeling okay with that. But the Chargers, bless their hearts, tried to charger this thing up. And they did a pretty good job of charging it up. So they... They they have first and goal at the one, but then they have an illegal shift on a on a penalty or a penalty on a touchdown pass. So they now back up to first and goal at the six. And you're kind of thinking, like, all right, we can probably keep them out of here. And lo and behold, two incomplete passes later, the, the chargers line up fourth and goal at the six. And after having the ball at the one, they're kicking the game tying field goal with two fourteen to go. And I'm thinking, this game's a wrap.
1: Yeah, I mean, it literally was the exact same situation, and this is going to make it so frustrating when we have to recap what actually happened in this game. I mean, it's an identical situation to the Ravens game, where, you know, even after the Chiefs blew the lead in the Ravens game, they had the ball last with enough time to hold on to the ball and go down and kick a field goal with no time left, which is the best defense because if the other team doesn't get the ball back, they can't score. And all you have to do is hold on to the ball and then kick a chip shot at the end of the game to win the game. And we've seen the chiefs and Patrick Mahomes specifically win games like that, you know, a dozen times in his career, probably. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I had even after seeing the chiefs fuck that situation up last week, I still had utmost most confidence in them to do it this week. I mean, how could you not? Last week, it was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fumbling on a freak play. It's not like Patrick Mahomes did anything wrong. But hmm, this was – I mean, this hurts. This hurts so bad. (laughs) So, the Chiefs started
0: off, first of all, on their – the most pressure-packed drive of the game with two minutes to go with a shitty two-yard run. Wait, wait, wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. wait. They ran the ball on first down? They ran the ball on first down. Have you seen that before? Cool, 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 cool.
0: Cool, cool, Just cool. pretty much every drive, every single time forever. It's been, it's been a calling card, especially this year with Andy, which I don't know, maybe that's EB. I don't know, but they it off to Clyde shitty little two yard run second and eight, Joey Bosa comes screaming around the corner on one leg, he's on hurting. one leg. And I mean, he's phenomenal. And he's he very pressured good pressured Mahomes into an incomplete little dump in the middle that went nowhere to Kelsey setting up a third and eight very key play. Patrick Mahomes, when he's down, when he's passing on third down, is basically the greatest quarterback of all time. He has yeah. his EPA numbers, every, all of his metrics just shoot to the moon when it's the pressure situations. But he must have been pressing. It must have been a miscommunication. It must have been the wind. It must have been something. But he threw the worst pass I've ever seen him throw. I'm just going to say it. It was the most catchable interception it was, yeah. just a, it was just it's a bad. lofted ball to the safety that basically had to just sit there and let it come down and catch it. I mean, there was no play on it. He wasn't pressured. I don't know if he saw something different than what he saw. However, he throws the pick. So the Chargers get the ball back on their 41 with a minute 55 to play just under the two-minute warning. But the game was still tied. And even though the interception was a killer and it was a terrible mistake and, and we're going to remember that one, the Chargers still had to go win this game. And they get down to the 36 with a minute to go. And they're already in field goal range, like NFL field goal range. Like when you're sure, at the 36, 53, yeah, 53, you know, yarder, I mean, right. that's certainly makeable for Justin an NFL Justin Tucker game.
1: hit a 66-yarder. So, you know
0: that was insane off the middle crossbar and in. Yeah, like after a an forward. obvious delay of game that wasn't That's, called, but, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, and realistically, in a tie game, once you work the ball under a minute into field goal range, you really should just be working the ball, let the clock run, bleed down to a couple seconds, try for a kick, because worst-case scenario in that is overtime, right? I right. mean, that's not right. – uh, so that's what most right. coaches you play can't, for not
1: You, you, you can't, can't lose. You can't lose the game in that situation. That's and right. to be honest, would, not that we've pulled these numbers, but like anecdotally, you know, it feels like if you've got the ball and you're in field goal range with a minute to play, even, you know, at a 53-yarder or whatever – yeah. feels like te- NFL teams in 2021 win that game way more than they, <laughs> way more than they, they even Tie said it it. For over time. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. 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 Like it those, feels like those NFL teams over. with, with kickers and the way that offenses are designed, it feels like, you know, most of the time that you're in that situation, you're going to find a way to win the game.
0: So the chargers who have kicker Tristan Vizcaino, who they clearly did not trust in this game, he missed a point after earlier. And when they got into field goal range, they weren't even – it's like they didn't even consider the fact that they could run the ball three times and kick the field goal. So, after getting down to the 36, they get an incomplete pass on second down. Stops the clock. Didn't didn't make Chiefs use a timeout. Incomplete pass on third down. Stops the clock. Now they're sitting there with a fourth and four from the Chiefs' 30, which is only a 47-yard field goal. Those are extremely makeable in the NFL.
1: Yeah, super makeable.
0: With 48 seconds left. They decide they're going to run out the offense instead of kicking a field goal here, which – Honestly, if they lose, if they don't hit that fourth down there and the Chiefs retake the ball over with 48 seconds left from their 30, like everyone's going to be thinking like, what the fuck were the Chargers doing? So they come out there and they're all nervous about it because it's a huge play and they feel like, oh, the coach is being such an idiot going for this. And there's a false start. So now it's fourth and nine from the 35. And yes, the kick got harder, but it's also the fourth down got harder. Fourth and nine. Fourth and nine. But did that deter the Chargers from going for it? No. They still trot the offense out on fourth and nine to try and keep moving these sticks. And the, the DPI call the pass interference call against Deandre Baker here has been a complete mystery to basically everyone that was watching this game. There was no early contact. There was no, he was looking at the ball. He contacts the receiver after the ball gets there, the ball falls incomplete and the ref just walks up, throws a flag, Says it's pass interference, and and with under a minute, we're just moving on. There's no and that's it. I mean, there, there's that's barely it. any there's, time to even not, talk about it.
1: It's not reviewable. You can't challenge it anymore because right. they you know, took that out because it was a shit the, show when they were challenging. The refs it. basically boycotted that and yeah. just decided they were going to be shitty whenever anybody challenged pass interference. And so the NFL just gave up and got rid of it. I mean, ugh, it was terrible. It was, it was
0: terrible. And so I think the worst coaching decision that I've seen in quite a while happens after that play. So after that there's 41 seconds And left. that's
1: after they go for it on fourth and 9. That's which, after they I agree. mean that's that's an yeah. extremely questionable call. It was. And we're huge proponents of going for it. We are. We're going for it on fourth and 9 when you're in field goal range and if you miss the field goal, I mean again like and and at this point they would have given the ball back to the Chiefs, but that's because they didn't run the clock down, they passed the ball. There's, I mean like right. He should have run the ball
0: and kicked a, the field goal a and
1: slew of bad coaching. Decisions. Right.
0: So now with 41 seconds left ball in the 20 and they throw a pass to Mike Williams, who's been eating everybody all day and he's pushed out of bounds at the four with 32 seconds left. So now you're thinking, okay, ball in the four 32 seconds left. The chiefs have two timeouts and or one timeout. The chiefs only had one timeout. So the chargers literally could kneel it a couple times and kick a extra point closer than an extra point. These days from the four is a, 21 yard field goal i mean that's the right. extra points are 33 so instead of doing that the chargers for some reason throw the ball for a touchdown which was extremely weird they basically had the game sewn up all they had to do was kneel it and kick a field goal and they walk out of there and even if they missed their little chip shot field goal the game's tied and it goes to overtime right. but they throw a ball to mike williams everyone's thinking what are they what are they doing? They did shank the extra point. So maybe they were on to something, not letting not trusting their kicker to even kick sure. a 21-yard field goal. Maybe he was just completely spooked, but I I don't think that. So they give the ball back to the Chiefs up six with 30 seconds to play, which is I, I would only call this Anthony Lynn levels of bad clock management. I mean that was as I don't even know why they fired Anthony Lynn if they were going to bring in Brandon Staley and he was going to do the okay, exact same shit. Okay. It was shit.
1: still only the second worst clock management of the week because did you uh, see Mike McCarthy yes. on Monday night football? Yes, so I did. Let's that was...
0: He he just completely did not want the ball back. He just Yeah, he uh, didn't want it. It was 3rd and 24 with a minute and 40 left and he was like nah, He didn't call go a go single ahead. timeout. Go ahead and let it tick down 40 seconds both times and I'm just going to kneel it when I hit the
1: ball. That's ridiculous. So okay. So
0: they give the ball back to the chiefs and the desperation Hail Mary that the chiefs throw with no time left Hill and Kelsey both literally get tackled to the ground by defenders that weren't facing the ball on one of the, I look, everyone always says, well, they're not going to call pass interference on Hail Mary. Why? Why are they not going to call it if it's pass interference? Like, you know,
1: I uh, listen, I get that that Hail Marys are officiated differently than than normal plays. But what I don't understand, and this is where I think you can make some hay, is there's no credible explanation for how the Chiefs committed DPI on 4th and 9, and the Chargers didn't commit it on the Hail Mary at the end of the game. Like, even if you're going to make this argument that end-of-game situations should be officiated differently... There's no way that you can really distinguish those two other than the fact that the chiefs was literally would have been like one of the last plays of the game. And it is technically, I mean, it's it's a Hail Mary. It
0: so was the last play of the
1: game. it wasn't a normal pass play, but I just don't understand. You, you really cannot make an argument that, you know, the chiefs committed DPI, but the chargers didn't commit DPI, but that's how it was called. And that's the game.
0: <sighs> so chiefs lose chargers win. Chargers are two and one. Chiefs are fourth place in the AFC West.
1: We're not gonna do five star men, trash men, and wild cards this week because everyone's, everyone's an honorary trash man. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's right. I mean, except for Travis Kelsey. Travis yeah. Kelsey can never be a trash man. Yeah. This was a, a gross, horrible, awful game. The Chiefs are on to Philadelphia. Let's preview week four.
0: Yeah, I mean, don't go birds, I guess. No, don't go we've birds. Been, we've been go birdsing
1: every time we've mentioned the Eagles on this podcast. <laughs> sure, but, uh, sure. Not this Typically, time. Typically, we're a go birds because this uh, podcast's namesake is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. We've got uh, love for the gang and gang green, but not this week because the Chiefs are traveling to Philadelphia to play the Eagles. This will be their first time traveling to Philadelphia since Andy Reid's third game ever as head coach of the Chiefs in 2013. That was against Mike Vick on Thursday Night Football. And the Chiefs went to 3 0 in that game. And Andy's uh, first season in Kansas City. He's been going for his 100th win as coach of the Chiefs for this will be the third week in a row that he's going for it. So if he gets it, which by God, he he better. It will make him the first coach ever in the history of the NFL to win 100 games as the coach of two different franchises. He has 140 wins with the Eagles, and this will be win number 100 for the Chiefs when he gets it. So the Eagles, under Nick Sirianni, are one and two. They blew out the Falcons in week one, beat the hell out of the Falcons. And I was thinking, man, you know, the Eagles, I think I picked them to finish third in the I division last maybe. or we maybe even last. like four wins. I don't think I would yeah. pick them to finish behind the giants. Cause I, oh, I sure. really have no yeah. love for the giants, but yeah, yeah. Fair, 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 I certainly did not fix. I uh, did not pick them to finish highly in the NFC East. They looked really good in week one against the Falcons. Turns out the Falcons are just really bad. In week <laughs> yeah. two, they played the 49ers who I don't know what to think about the 49ers, but they played the 49ers tight. And so you don't really learn a whole lot about either of those teams. Then this week on Monday Night Football, they got absolutely clowned by the Cowboys. The Cowboys had 19 first downs in the first half, and the Eagles had one first down.
0: (laughs) It's almost
1: impossible. So the Eagles get absolutely destroyed. This will be the second time this year that the Chiefs are playing an opponent where their opponent is on short rest. Eagles just played on Monday Night. They have to come back and play the Chiefs on Sunday. This will also be the second game similarly where the team coming off a horrible Monday night loss is down like half of their starting offensive line. Right.
0: Not that that seems to matter.
1: Stop me. If you've heard this one before Taylor. Yeah.
0: With an athletic running quarterback. Yeah. With a bird, so, with a bird uh, mascot.
1: <laughs> okay. Let's, let's <laughs> stop. I, 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 team. I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. So, there are some some interesting parallels, let's say, between the uh, this Eagles team and the Baltimore Ravens, who the Chiefs lost to in Week 2. But I don't know. Is it going to matter? Are the Chiefs... I mean, do you see... I don't want to say, is this too easy? That was the question that I posed <laughs> right. before Week 2 against the Ravens. Uh, and Jesus the answer correct. was, yes, it is. And then the Chiefs lost that game. So I don't want to ask that, but... Is there anything about Philadelphia that scares you?
0: Yeah. And it's all basically related to the Chiefs. It's all <laughs> through it's all looking at it through the prism of what is happening to this team. And are the if the Eagles play with the Chiefs, it says everything about the Chiefs and almost nothing about the Eagles in my opinion. sure. And that's what I'm scared of. I'm scared of being stressed on Sunday. I'm scared of this being a shitty Chiefs team that we're watching that despite having the best player on the planet and despite having the two best offensive weapons, pass catching weapons that the game knows is still going to go out there and struggle to beat crappy teams. Like that would be heartbreaking to me. That's what scares me. I have nothing about the Eagles, no miles Sanders or Devonte Smith or any of them, Jalen hurts. None of them scare me. It's really just, and even Fletcher Cox, any of the defensive players, it's all about how the chiefs respond here.
1: It is. And I agree with you. I think, I mean, it's it's cliche a little bit, but the Chiefs really have demonstrated through the first three weeks that the best way to beat the Chiefs is by having the Chiefs beat themselves. And yeah. we'll talk about that a little bit uh, with a mailbag question here from PKS that I'm going to blast through here in a minute. But yeah, I mean, I think the Chiefs just have to play their game and they have to obviously limit the turnovers and do what the Chiefs do and they should win this game. I will say on the defensive side of the ball, Philly's defense matching up against our offense. Looking forward to seeing Steven Nelson out there That's right. on the defensive side of the ball. wonder if he still has his Chiefs helmet. <laughs> That's a great question. He was working out with the Chiefs helmet in the offseason. He's exchanged uh, quite a few barbs with, uh, with the Chiefs kingdom community on Twitter over the years and, and Instagram as well. But that'll be fun if we uh if we get Tyreek on Steven Nelson on Sunday. That could be a breakout for the Cheetah. Looking forward to that. <laughs> you want to predict this game?
0: I mean, not really. Like I I feel I I feel apprehensive to do so. I will say that if this Chiefs team, this game is going to say a lot about kind of how I feel the Chiefs are going to do this year. Yeah. And if they come out and they look like the 2018-19 Chiefs, if they look like the Team that has their shit together and that beats bad teams. The Chiefs haven't won a game by more than six points since week eight last year. They obviously
1: well, Except for the, the Except for the against, playoffs. A regular season game, game, that's game. That's correct. That's correct.
0: Um, so you know, they they haven't really beaten up
1: on a bad team in a while. And yeah, the they, last team that they beat up on in the regular season was the Jets. The Jets, exactly.
0: And Mahomes had five touchdown passes and they looked unbelievable. And and the Jets are a pit of despair. So yeah, the Jets. Um, So I'm going to say that the things are still always sunny, and I I do think the Chiefs come out into Philadelphia. They give Andy Reid his his due 100th win against the other team that he has 100 wins with, and I think the Chiefs win pretty handily. I'll go 31-14. 31-14,
1: 31-14, that would be quite a performance by the Chiefs defense. I'm going to go a little bit higher scoring. I'm going to say the Chiefs put up 42, and the Eagles put up 24. So 42-24 Chiefs is going to be my prediction. Let's get into a mailbag. It's always good to hear from our fans. We love you guys. Thank you for bearing with us. Thank you for listening to this bummer of an episode. And We've <laughs> got our guy, PKS, at Post Chiefs fan. Ka-ka! Ka-ka! You guys should do something like a draft of blue pens to read the Chiefs. XD, that's the, the laughing face. So I literally pulled like every game that the chiefs have lost in 2018 and 2019. And then it got kind of depressing. So I stopped, but I'm just going to blast through the highlights here really quick, because okay. I think it is illuminating to kind of look at these games, like with some perspective, with some distance and really take a look at like what it takes to actually beat the chiefs. Right. Because we've now what the blueprint
0: we, actually is.
1: Yeah. We've now got three years and change of Patrick Mahomes as a starter. And that includes, hardly any losses and a ton of wins and the games that they've lost are actually kind of ridiculous. So if you go back to 2018, first game that Patrick Mahomes has ever lost 43 to 40 loss to England, you've got bill Belichick. So that's part of the blueprint, have the greatest defensive coach of all time <laughs> playing against uh, Patrick Mahomes, who's playing in his sixth game ever. Okay. Uh, you're going to pick him off twice in the first half, hold him to nine points in the first half. And then you've got to hold on for dear life in the second pat, the second half and get the ball last with Tom Brady against the worst defense in the NFL because, Mm. Oh yeah. The Chiefs scored 31 points in the second half on like eight minutes time of possession. And they only lost because Tom Brady got the ball last and kick a field goal in November, in November of that year, the 54 to 51 loss to the, the Los Angeles Rams. Well, I guess the blueprint here is score 54 points. <laughs> Even though Patrick Mahomes is 18 and 9 when his defense allows 24 plus points, which is by far the best mark in NFL history. He's the only quarterback in NFL history who has a winning record when his defense allows 24 plus points. The only one. He is 0 and 1 when his opponent scores 54 points. <laughs> so, obviously that's the blueprint there. If you score 54, that's you're it. good. He's actually 0 and 3 when his opponent scores 40 plus. So, Really, if you can get to forty on the scoreboard against the Chiefs, um, you Walk got a chance. In. Yeah, you you got a chance because obviously he's a scrub. He can't beat somebody that scores forty. In December, we we teased this earlier in the show: twenty nine to twenty eight loss to the Chargers. Uh, part of the blueprint here is the Chiefs only got eight drives total in this game. They only touched the ball eight times. They scored four touchdowns on eight drives, which is pretty good, fifty percent rate. They punted four times. The Chargers, like the Patriots. Got the ball last. They got an extremely favorable DPI call to set up fourth and first and goal with eight seconds left. Heard that before. Then they got a two-point conversion against the worst defense in the NFL. The following week, they played the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. This is uh, the only game. Well, it was the only game at the time. I mean, the Chiefs were trailing deep into this game. They ended up only losing by one touchdown. But this is essentially the blueprint for this game. Have Russell Wilson. Yeah who threw for 271 yards and three touchdowns on 29 pass attempts. He was, that was surgical. I mean, I mean he, he was, was yeah. as
0: good as Russell Wilson gets, and he is very good.
1: And then the last loss in 2018, 37-31 to in New England in overtime. Again, having Tom Brady get the ball last against the worst defense in the NFL, that's a great blueprint. But also, <laughs> on top of that, you have to add into the blueprint on there, uh, D. force jumps off sides on an interception that would have sent the Chiefs to the Super Bowl. Cool. Yep. That's the blueprint. So 2018, three of the five losses that the Chiefs had in 2018 resulted in the opponent taking the lead with no time left. So literally 60% (laughs) of the losses, the the Chiefs just, the other team had the ball last against the Bob Sutton defense, right? One of the other two games involved the opponent scoring 54 points. (laughs) And the other one involved Russell Wilson playing out of his mind. Like those are the blueprints, right? Either get the ball last, score 50, or have Russell Wilson playing out of his mind. So going ahead to 2019. Boy. I mean, we've recapped this season before. This was this is our very first season of this podcast was we did a game by game recap of the 2019 season. And going back over these losses again to create this blueprint for you PKs was absurd. In October, the Chiefs lost 19-13 to Indianapolis. And here, this blueprint is convoluted as shit, right? Okay, so first injuries. The Chiefs were missing, missing Eric Fisher in this game. They were missing Tyree Kill in this game. Sammy Watkins got injured after two snaps and left the game. So listen, it's one thing to go into a game banged up, right? And know that you're not going to have Eric Fisher and know that you're not going to have Tyree Kill. Yes. It's another thing to go into the game expecting to have Sammy Watkins and designing your game plan around having Sammy Watkins as your number one wide receiver and then having him get hurt five minutes into the game and not having him, right? Like, Mm. they spend the entire week planning to have Sammy Watkins. These are the plays we're going to run for Sammy. He's going to be our number one target in this game, you know, after Travis Kelsey, and then after two snaps, he gets hurt. On top of that, Patrick Mahomes was playing with a bad ankle. He Mm -hmm. reactivated it after Cam Irving, filling in for Eric Fisher, stepped on his ankle, okay? Mm -hmm. Time of possession, the Chiefs had the ball for just 22 minutes and 45 seconds, okay? Uh, Pound the rock, the Colts outrushed the Chiefs 180 yards to 36, all right? Uh, bad play calling by the Chiefs. Andy did his famous second and 30 run. Yeah. He's he trailing 16 to 10 in the fourth quarter. It's and way too famous, man. After he ran on second and 30, Byron Pringle picks up 27 of 28 yards on third down. Should have had the final yard. He juked into the only guy between him and the yeah. six. Yeah. Okay. Tackled himself, essentially, to not convert it on third and 28. And then... On fourth and one, they ran Damian Williams up the middle for a one-yard loss, turned it over on downs so the Noted power won. back Damian Williams. And lost the game 19 to 13, by far the lowest scoring game in the Patrick Mahomes era. And then the following week against the Houston Texans, a 31 to 24 loss. This one you got the uh you got the bad officiating uh aspect of the blueprint, right? Like that that one pops up frequently, but this is the first one where you could really like point to the officiating as one of the absolute reasons the chiefs lost this game patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. throws his first interception of the year that was cool when he didn't throw one until mid-october right that was great those were the days <laughs> there was his first interception of the year on a play where travis kelsey gets literally like completely mauled mm-hmm. in the middle of his route right and the refs decide to pick up a flag yeah they threw it they threw the flag they threw the flag because they saw travis kelsey get absolutely mauled and then you know new york gets in their year and they're like should pick their they're flag too up good. all right they're too good they're too good they're too good should have been a free play should have been an automatic first down patrick Mahomes obviously knew that it was a free play which is why he threw the ball <laughs> in the first place he yeah. didn't throw an interception because he made a bad choice he saw that he literally saw the the ref throw the flag then he let the, the ball go mm. and then they picked the flag up it Oh, it's ridiculous. Hurt, man. the chiefs are outrushed in this game 192 yards to 53 They lose the time of possession battle 39 and 39 minutes, 48 seconds to 20 minutes and 12 seconds. So they literally almost get doubled up in time of possession. They still had a 24 to 23 lead in this game going into the fourth quarter, only to see the defense surrender a 93-yard, 8-minute-and-32-second touchdown drive, and a two-point conversion to give the Texans a 31-24 lead. And then after a three and out where the Chiefs went negative four-yard pass to Sean McCoy on first down, then on 2nd and 14, ran for one yard, another 2nd and long run. Mm. And then tried to convert 3rd and 13 by throwing to Blake Bell <laughs> in a game where Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey did play. <laughs> the defense let the Texans hold on to the ball for 5 minutes and 3 seconds and run out the clock. They literally did not touch the ball for more than about 30 seconds in the 4th quarter when they were ahead. Going That's a pretty good low. blueprint. Tyreek Hill was back in this game. Eric Fisher was out. Chris Jones was out. The left side of the offensive line was Cam Irving and Martinez Rankin. You've got the injuries. You've got the bad officiating. You've got the bad run defense. You've got the bad play calling. This is just a a mismatch, right? Uh, And then the last loss in 2019, November 18th, 2019, a date that will live in infamy, a 35 to 32 loss at Tennessee. If you're talking blueprints to beat the Chiefs, Taylor, this is basically one of those Rube Goldberg machines, you know, like (laughs) The fucking like, chicken gets shot in the ass with a beating gun and it like and... lays an egg and it mm-hmm. tumbles down, you know, mm-hmm. a, one of those little twirly slides. Oh, that's perfect. And it pops a balloon and whatever. I mean, the Chiefs got – this was outrageous. Obviously, they got completely burned in the run game by Derrick Henry in this game. They lost the turnover battle in this game. They did not convert very well on third down. They had the ball at the end of the game, and they had two straight drives where they could have kicked a field goal to either go ahead or win the game and didn't get the field goal. It was blocked yeah. on, I, I mean, it was essentially was blocked on the, I don't remember if it was the first one or the second one that was blocked.
0: The second but one, the last play of the game. The
1: last play of the game was a block. And the the one before that Bucker basically had to, or I guess it was technically it was Colquitt, right? Picked the yeah. ball up and tried to throw it away because they yes. jumped the snap. And uh, I mean, listen, that's not a blueprint to beat the Chiefs. None of these are blueprints to beat the Chiefs is nope. is at the end of the day. I, I mean, you just have to rely on the Chiefs beating themselves or you have to rely on injuries. You injuries. have to rely on the referees. Yeah. You know, like there's a Venn diagram that you can make from these losses. And, you know, the part where they overlap, where the Chiefs actually lose a game, it's like four circles that are overlapping to get to a loss in any of these games. Yeah. It's ridiculous.
0: Yep, yeah, there's... There's no – you know, people have started – they want the blueprint. They want it to exist, right? Because if there's no blueprint, then how is anyone going to beat this team? So, yes, there have been some miracle wins by the Chiefs' opposition in the Patrick Mahomes era. But if you're going into this game expecting any of these things to happen, you are it's a fool's errand. It's just not the way that – you know, I mean, sure, it can happen, but there's no plan. There's no – no personnel type there's no defense to run against the Chiefs there's no offensive game plan that well I mean you know the Chiefs have had their defensive struggles and sure you can beat the Chiefs offense by beating their defense but it's just time and time again the Chiefs showed that they were up to the task because I mean there are plenty of games that went the way that these blueprints went and the Chiefs still came out on top correct like you know it's not like every time any of these this stuff happens the Chiefs lose you have to all of this happened, and then still hope that you have enough. As we've said this week, year, one against the Browns. Week one against the Browns, it things didn't go right, but it still wasn't enough. Hell, week two and week three, the Chiefs had a shot in, in these games, despite four ton- turnovers and despite everything that went wrong against them, they still had a chance to win. And that's what this team gives you is a chance
1: every single week. We've got a question here from Juicy Josh ninety three. Kaka! kaka Ninety seven. I said ninety-three. I don't know. I don't know what was going through my head here. With an extended season, do you think we'll see Mahomes pass for six thousand yards, or will that lead to him sitting more games at the end of the season, or will seating Trump that keep up the great work? Thank you, Juicy Josh. I appreciate the question. What do you think, Taylor?
0: Well, so the the I'll address the sitting part first. So just
1: because he's not there, gonna be sitting extra games this year.
0: No. Well, no, especially not this year. Uh but just because there are extra games every team has to play those extra games. And, and I don't think it necessarily means that the chiefs are going to build a bigger lead on the rest of the AFC, just because there are more games. I think that the chances that the chiefs have a one seed locked in place with two games to go is extremely low. I mean, just
1: playing not going to happen this year,
0: not this year, but even in, even at the chiefs at their peak powers, it's just hard to get that the math to work out to where you are locked in as the best team with two weeks to go. So I don't think he'll be sitting more. I think he will be playing at least 16 games a year. Um, week 17 is pretty likely usually that he'll sit, but no, I think that it won't lead to any more sitting. And then the 6,000 yards part. I mean, look, he barely passed over 5,000 when the chiefs were throwing the ball all over the yard in 2018. He had, they
1: had a terrible out. defense I mean, and they had a
0: terrible gonna... defense. The game scripts, allowed him to pass a lot and, and he broke 5,000 and, you know, the records 5,400, which means, you know, 54 or 55 or whatever it is that Peyton Manning got. So even if you get one more game there, you'd have to throw for 500 yards to, to touch 6,000. And so he would have to have, the NFL record pays through 16 games and then have a 17th game. That's a monster game in order to pass six. It's doable. It's possible. If anyone's going to end their career with the most passing yards of of a season and it's not Peyton Manning, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. So yeah, it's possible, but I don't really, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at 6,000 yards as something that is achievable.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. We've got one here finally from, uh, our friend Max's mom, Leanne Sprague. Thanks for listening to the podcast, Leanne. Loyal
0: I- bird of war. Kaka! Kaka!
1: Can you guys expound on whether or not jinxes are a thing, like which players have habits slash rituals, scientific theory, etc.? Taylor, do you want to handle this one?
0: Well, so you and I have long talked about our... Um, I don't want to say disdain for jinxes, but maybe there's no better way to put it. Um,
1: I think I that's don't a, a good way to describe it.
0: Disdain, yeah. I, I don't think that anything other than what happens on the football field is impacting the results on the football field or the baseball diamond or whatever it may be. I, uh, we are not believers in some sort of, you know, good juju, bad juju other than like a, like a mindset. Like I get if you need a a habit or ritual before the game to get your mind right, like that's fine. You know, if you, if you got to do, if you got to eat a certain thing every time to kind of feel like, okay, I'm like in the game mode or whatever, like, I, I can see that. But that's something that, a play,
1: that's something that a player does on okay. an individual level, because the players are playing in the game, right? Yep. Like, I mean, yes. if a player yes. if a player wants to do something that the player feels like that's what I they mean. need to do to get them in the right headspace to play in the game, that's fine. They're on the field.
0: Yes. It's totally no-
1: different if you feel like yeah. you have to do something the same way every time you got to, you know, eat your brown and drink your yellow or whatever right. it is, you know, like, right. That's yeah. not affecting what happens. In the
0: field. Yeah. You know, she asked which players have habits and sure. rituals specifically. Um, I, I do think that there's something to be said for consistency in the NFL. Sure. And, you know, these guys are creatures of habit and they've got to have a lot of things kind of the same inputs so that they can give it the same output. And if that means that they've got to eat the same game day meal and all that stuff, I, I don't know of any specific player rituals, at least on the chiefs, as far as, what they get up to before the games, but um I do think that 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 there's some merit to that. Now, anything that anyone does outside of the game has <laughs> zero bearing on the out on
1: the. Yeah, the guys, game. what you wear, wear you're lucky underwear. Yeah, what you eat before a game, whatever. That doesn't mean that rituals aren't fun, you know. Like when I was uh, back in Kansas City, we would get Q thirty nine before every game. We get Pitmaster brisket every time. That yeah. was a fun ritual because <laughs> Pitmaster briskets are delicious. And but you didn't think yeah, you were impacting right. anything by that uh, we went during the twenty nineteen season. I think it was during the twenty nineteen season that uh, Mahomes Magic Crunch came out. Correct. Yeah. Uh, we would try and eat, eat, a eat a bowl of Mahomes Magic <laughs> Crunch every day yeah. before the game, like you know, yeah. our our little communion it's not that we're against them for ritual's sake because they are fun and they're funny, but they do not impact what happens on the field whatsoever. And a good example of this is uh, no hitters, right? Like in baseball, yeah. Uh, the, the no hitter jinx. There are people that believe that if one person anywhere in the world talks about a no hitter while it's going on, that a no-hitter doesn't happen, which is obviously absurd because (laughs) every time that a no-hitter happens, there are literally thousands or millions of people talking about it somewhere in the world at any given time, and yet still no-hitters happen. In fact, there was a record number of no-hitters this year. Mm -hmm. We used to have a Facebook group uh, to talk about baseball that we no longer really participate in because baseball (laughs) is boring. We have Patrick Mahomes. We have football. No offense to the baseball fans out there. but. You know, every time there was no hitter through, like, seven innings, we would go in there and, and post on it. And, yeah. you know, uh, we Tempting actually God. did have several that got broken up, which obviously sure. is coincidence. No hitters are hard to throw. Uh, but, you know, occasionally one will break through, and that's proof that jinxes are real. So thank you for the question, Leanne. Appreciate you listening. Till next time, it's always sunny in Cheese Kingdom.